0: God, thank you so much that uh, we're here again and uh, that we get the opportunity to do this, that we have talented friends that uh, help us along in this journey, uh, and that every time we come to this room, we get to um, learn more about you, grow closer to you, and learn more about what it means to uh, be your disciple. Uh, God, we're grateful that we get to do this and We just look forward to all the things to come. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome to the True Discipleship Podcast, where we have practical conversations on what it means to be a passionate follower of Jesus. We are so thankful you chose to listen today and hope you gain a fresh perspective. With Jesus at the center, This is a community where everyone is given a seat at the table, a place to dive into scripture, talk, think, explore, and learn what following Christ is all about. Now on to our hosts, Aaron and Morgan Nelson.
1: And we are back.
0: We're back. Episode two.
1: Right. Episode two of the True Discipleship Podcast. We are your hosts. My name is Aaron.
0: And I'm Morgan
1: And uh, man, it's been a fun. It's only been a week. Well, two weeks by the time you're hearing this, the episode has been out and it's been full of so much love and so much support. And we cannot thank y'all enough for it. Uh, Hopefully you are a uh, returning listener. Maybe you're hopping in for the first time. If that is the case, then welcome. But uh, yeah, if you're coming back after hearing something last week that that made you feel like it was time to loop back around, we really appreciate it. We've been filled with so much love. And, uh, and so much support over the last over the last two weeks.
0: Yeah, I'm super excited as we start recording our second episode that we have some faces that we can imagine uh, because we talked so much last week about this being a community of people having a conversation, and we definitely got to get the feedback and the um, the com- comments, the all of the um, the reviews, reviews. Yeah. That's the word. Uh, from friends and family and people that we don't even know. Uh, It's just been awesome to to receive that. And now going into this week, we have faces we can imagine that we're having a conversation with. So if you haven't eaten dinner, we had Chipotle and you can also eat Chipotle. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, I think what you're insinuating <laughs> is, uh, last week we, you know, we talked about how uh, as much as this is a classroom, it's a it's a dining room table, and so uh, we thank you for returning back to the table. Hopefully, we'll have some more uh, conversations that just kind of feel like family and kind of exploring what we're going to get into. I think we're going to get a little, uh, probably a little vulnerable today in in touch on some things that are um, questions I think we all have, but maybe just haven't explored or thought out loud about. So. Super excited about that! If you are joining us for the first time, again, thank you so much. Uh, we would love for you to be a part of this community. You can check us out on Instagram at True Discipleship Podcast. Uh, you can also follow us on uh, Facebook. Um, but yeah, we just want to get to know you, get to connect with you. If you send us messages, we would love to to just chat with you and uh, be on the lookout because we're also going to talk about ways that you can be a part of the True Discipleship Podcast as well. So, um, really looking forward to getting some other voices in here and. um and yeah, just just doing this thing together. That's what discipleship is all about. That's what following Jesus is all about. You are not uh, supposed to do it in the dark. So yeah. What are we talking about today?
0: We are going to talk about the question, is Jesus worth following? And last week we uh, said that we're going to ask some questions sometimes that we may not land on an answer all the time, we may have to sit in a little bit of unknown. Uh, But this week with this question, is Jesus worth following? We want to lead you to the answer emphatically, yes.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, it's a spoiler alert. And I mean, we haven't been doing this podcast thing long, but it seems like Podcasting 101 says don't,
0: <laughs> don't
1: spoil the episode. But um, I think the fact that we're doing a podcast all about following Jesus tells you pretty clearly where we stand on the topic. Uh, But I think that that question, if you are a follower of Jesus or have been following Jesus for a while and somebody asks you, is Jesus worth following? I think nine times out of 10, you would say yes. But what does that look like practically? What does that look like when following Jesus seems to cost you something? What does it look like when uh, it's so much easier just to do our own thing? I think what we're trying to get down to in in today's podcast is, is when my heart doesn't feel like it, is Mm -hmm. Jesus still worth following? And uh, and I think that's some wrestling. I don't think that's just an answer. You can just say yes when it's a beautiful day and the you know sky is clear and the rainbows is out. Um, Is Jesus worth following even when my heart doesn't feel like it? That's what we're gonna be exploring today. I think one of the prime examples of people being challenged with a question, is following Jesus worth it? I think it comes in in John chapter 6. There's this really interesting story that shows how finicky people are, I think. And I totally can relate with this. Um, So, you know, it's the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. And we're kind of like, we're relatively familiar with this whole thing. But I think a lot of times, just like these people in this story, we get so hung up on the miracle that we don't pay attention to what happens after it right? I think like all of us can tell you, Jesus fed 5,000 people. Um, I don't think many of us can tell you um, that Jesus feeding those people eventually led to many of them walking away. Um, And so what ends up happening in this passage, long story short, is, um, you know, the disciples see all these hungry people and Jesus is like, I want to do something about it. But, you know, he's like, what are we going to do? And uh, it's Andrew, Uh, He says, there's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish, but what good is it with this huge crowd? And Jesus does like the most baller thing ever. He's like, tell everybody to sit down. I got it. Don't worry. Don't panic. Don't freak out. So Jesus, you know, he takes the fish. He takes the bread. He breaks them, ends up feeding the 5,000 people. It's this miracle. And look at what it says here in John chapter six, um, verse 14. It says, when the people saw him do this miraculous sign, they exclaimed, surely he's the prophet we've been expecting. When Jesus saw that they were ready to force him to be their king, he slipped away into the hills by himself, which is interesting, right? Jesus does this miracle to get everybody's attention. He has their attention. They're ready to make him king, and Jesus goes, no, not yet, not yet, because Jesus knew there was something that they were missing. Jesus disappears. He disappears for a full day, and the next day, the crowd, they had stayed on the the shore, watching him, they realized, oh, Jesus went across the lake. So they hopped on boats. This is how passionate they were to find him. They hopped on boats. They found Jesus. And I. it's so interesting to me, um, the ways that they approach him, right? A minute ago, it said they were looking, they were ready to call him king, all right? So in their minds right now, Jesus is their king. They find Jesus. And in verse 25, it says, they ask him, Rabbi, when did you get here? So they've gone from calling him king, which means he's the rule of everything. Now he's a rabbi, which is the teacher, okay? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, you wanna be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs. But don't be so concerned about the perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of approval. And then this sends everybody into a frenzy. They're like, wait, hold on, no. The bread thing. That was cool. Do the bread thing again. And if you have a chance to read it, please go and read this. John chapter six. And I want you to just pay attention to a few phrases. I want you to pay attention to how many times Jesus says, I am the bread. Pay attention to how many times Jesus says, I am the life. Pay attention to how many times Jesus says, if you eat this living bread, you will never die. And look at how many times the people absolutely miss the point. They're like, no, this is weird. We don't want whatever this eternal gift is that you're talking about. We want you to fulfill our needs. Remember when we were hungry and then you fed us bread and we weren't hungry anymore? Yeah, keep doing that. Whenever I need something, Jesus, pop up, fill that need, and then we'll we'll be good. And then they start changing it. There's a, it's verse, um, where is it? Verse uh, 34. They change the title again. He goes from being king to rabbi to sir. They said, give us that bread every day. So with each moment that they're realizing uh, Jesus is not just going to give them what they want, that Jesus isn't just going to be this genie in a bottle. Uh, With each moment, they're starting to downgrade the authority that he has in their life. And now they're starting to limit what they have to do if Jesus asks them to. So this whole thing keeps going, keeps going, keeps going on. By verse 60, Jesus is still telling them, I am the bread, I am the life. Verse 60 says, many of his disciples said, this is very hard to understand. How can anyone accept it? And then they all started to leave away. All of them started to walk away. And I look at this and I'm like, are you kidding me? Like this guy, this is Jesus. Don't you realize that? And I don't think they did. I don't think any of these people thought, um, I don't think any of these people thought that there was anything more than what he was trying to give them right now. Which happens to me a lot. And I think, what can Jesus do for me right now that'll keep me on that spiritual high until next Sunday? What can Jesus do in my life right now that'll convince me that he's worth hanging out around? Um, And I think, just like these disciples, there are times when I face that moment where I am go, it's not worth it. I'm out. You don't have any more bread, Jesus? I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. I don't want to have anything else to do with that. Can you can you relate to that?
0: Absolutely. I mean, this ultimate question that we're asking is Jesus worth following? And we talk we talk about the it the it that we're risking in following Jesus and uh for me it was earlier this year. I mean, the world is just like feels like we're I don't know, you can't button see. heads, yeah, butting mm, yeah. heads about everything, um, and I felt caught in the middle of what the world was saying that we should believe and what Jesus calls us to believe I mean we're we're talking like um. Our our stance on abortion, our stance on gay marriage, our stance on these really really big and really really heavy topics that if you side on either side, you're hurting somebody, and I don't want to hurt anybody. Uh, that that's where my my worth it. I I mean I start to question it like Jesus calls me to say like this life intrinsically has value and we are going to cherish it but the world is saying we can make a decision otherwise like how do I stand for what Jesus calls me to believe but still extend that grace and that love to every single person that I interact with
1: that's good um I think the it is kind of made up of two parts. is it worth whatever it's going to cost me i think that's the first part um and i think the second part is is it worth whatever i'm going to receive in return right because i mean i don't want to think of like i i I don't want to think of our relationship with jesus as transactional because i don't think it is i think there was one ultimate transaction and he completely fulfilled that on the cross right uh but i do think um Jesus tells us to count the cost and to count the value in what it means to follow him. So I think there's a part of it that says that, listen, following Jesus is going to cost you something. However, there's something waiting for you in return. And I think what Jesus wants us, the, the real hard question that he wants us to face is, is, do you think a relationship with him is worth the return and investment? Which is a loaded question. Because I think we do look at it as transactional, right? Which it's not, but I think we do look at it as transactional. Well, if I go to church X amount of times, and if I volunteer this many hours, and if I donate this amount of money, then surely something good is going to happen to me, right? But that's not always the, the way that it is. Um, and I think that for us, we we oftentimes assume uh, that following Jesus is uh, it's going to be more beneficial to me than to the people around me. And I don't think that's true. I think following Jesus is more beneficial to the people around you sometimes than it is for you yourself. Um except for the fact that the the ultimate gift that we receive is a right relationship with God. That's that's what we get out of the deal. And can we be honest? That is not a fair deal. For Jesus, <laughs> right? Oh
0: no.
1: That would be like um man, I don't know. Like he's he's not getting like something great out of it. He's getting a bunch of buffoons that don't know what they're doing and who are going to argue with each other all the time and never get life fully figured out. That's what he gets in return for him giving up his life for us. Um but we're the ones who think mm, following Jesus isn't worth it. Are you kidding me? <laughs> what what else do we want besides eternal life? Like what is it that you think uh what do we think we're going to get out of a relationship with Jesus other than everything he's already given us?
0: I think for some people, me included, when I accepted Jesus, I thought life was going to be easy. That whatever hardships came along, well, I believe in Jesus. So this is this is going to be a breeze.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think there's also like the moral side of it too. Like this feel good side. Like, oh, if I start following Jesus, then I'll look better or appear better than I actually am. And I think sometimes just that moral cushioning Makes us feel okay, right? Like, there's a there's such a barometer there of, like, if you could quantify how good I am by how often I go to church, or if you can quantify how good I am by the deeds that I do, um, as opposed to, like, how intimately I'm actually walking with Jesus.
0: But who are we fooling in that? Who are we trying to... Absolutely
1: nobody. <laughs> but, like,
0: but, like, who are we trying to prove to that we're good when we say oh, look at me, I believe in Jesus and we're trying to prove our moral goodness.
1: You know what I think the problem is? I think we assume Jesus is as gullible as we are. He's not. He's not. <laughs> it's so easy for me to convince you or the people around me that I'm good, but God knows our heart. He knows what's deep down inside of us. Um, and he knows if we're truly following him or not or just checking off a to-do list of things. And Yeah, is, is a to-do list worth it? Yeah, It's going to cost me some time, but you mean to tell me that when I'm done with this, I get a ticket to heaven and I get to feel good about myself? Yeah, that's totally worth it. But now the question is, is it even what Jesus calls us to? And I think so much of that depends on who we even think Jesus is, right? I think figuring out if Jesus is worth following is all based on the answer to the question, who is Jesus? And this is a big one, right? This is... I firmly believe the most important question that any of us will ever ask or, or have to answer um, is the question that Jesus asked his disciples, Matthew chapter sixteen. Right? He goes, "Who do who do people say that I am?" And you know they reply, "Some say that you're John the Baptist, and some say you're Elijah, and others say that you're Jeremiah or one of the other prophets." But then Jesus asked them, well, who do you say that I am?" And that is a question I think he's asking of all of us, right? So let me ask you. I'm gonna I'm gonna put you on the spot here. Okay. Oh
0: man, pop quiz.
1: Yeah, and I'm not going to make it easy. I don't want you to give me your answer of who you think Jesus is. Uh, who do you think the world right now says that Jesus is?
0: The first thing that pops into my head is the like tweet from someone who basically compares Jesus to a hippie who loved everybody have you seen this tweet
1: no i have no idea what you're talking about
0: maybe some people think he's just a character in a story question if he even really was a real human that walked the face of the earth um that he was just a prophet that you know he just (laughs) prophesied. What do prophets do? (laughs) He just prophesied um, that he was just a person who lived, but there was no like miraculous like...
1: Yeah, I think people think that he was a good person. Like, I don't know many people who would deny that Jesus was a good person. I think a lot of people would be really good friends with Jesus and really close friends with Jesus. But for some reason, uh, the, the issue comes in when people don't believe that Jesus is Lord or that he has any sort of authority over their life. Right? Like I think a lot of people assume Jesus is just someone out there who I can choose to listen to. I can take what I want to from him, but I don't have to lean into everything he was saying. I don't have to completely drink the Kool-Aid, but I can just take what I want and somehow that'll be, you know, I don't know. I can take his teachings and apply it to all these other teachings that I've heard and all this other stuff. And this is the reason why Peter, who Peter gets such a bad rap. He does. He's the, you know, the, the way I hear pastors talk about him all the time is Peter was the one with his foot in his mouth all the time. I think the reason why people think Peter had a foot in his mouth all the time is because uh, it's believed Peter was like the oldest of the disciples. And he was probably just the more bold one, the one who was willing to say what everybody else was thinking. But Peter oftentimes had these moments where he was the one that got it, or at least he was the one that vocalized that he got it. And we see a big one of those here in uh in 16, um, what's that? 15. Uh, when Jesus asked them, Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the Living God. And I think it's in that moment that Peter recognizes, maybe he knew it before this, but I think it's in this confession that we realize that Peter realized Jesus is worth it. You're the Messiah. You're the one the prophets were told about. You're the one we've been waiting for. You're the one who's going to save us. You are God. You are the Lord. You are the authority. You are the one who gets to dictate the way that I live my life. And in that moment, I think that singular statement by Peter, Peter is saying, yeah, Jesus, you are worth it. You are worth it. You you are worth all the things that we're going through. And now remember the question that the, the you know, he can say this with his mouth. The thing that we learn about a lot of the disciples is they went on to be martyred for their faith. They went on to be killed for their faith. So they didn't just say, Jesus, you're worth it they were willing to pay the price. Us choose, you know, we hit on this earlier. When I say yes to following Jesus, I'm saying no to a lot of other things. And when I acknowledge that Jesus is the only way to have a right relationship with God, it seems really exclusive. And I think one of the questions that we need to ask of Christianity, and it's a question that I think people a lot ask a very long time is, is Christianity, is Jesus too exclusive? Is he, is it, is it wrong to say that Jesus is the only way to get to God? Jesus didn't think so. So would we say that Jesus was exclusive?
0: I don't think so. I think we all have the same opportunity to say yes to Jesus.
1: So now are you saying that Jesus is inclusive? Because that's where the tension comes in, right? If you're listening, you didn't see the face Morgan just made, but that's where the tension comes in. Because I don't want to say that Jesus is exclusive uh, because everybody has access to him. But can I really say that Jesus is inclusive ever? Because that opens a whole new range of topics and a whole new range of ideas um, that honestly, the church has been pretty up in arms about Um for a very long time, but it seems like right now in our world, it's like a huge thing. So, so which one is it? Do you, you know, is the gospel message, and you started to hit on this, but I want you to explain it a little bit more. Is the gospel message exclusive? And you said no, because...
0: Everybody can say yes. Yeah. We each have the same opportunity to say yes when Jesus says, do you want to... Except me. Do you want to be in a re- right relationship with God? We all have the equal opportunity to say yes.
1: You know what I often think about when people, because people would say, well, it doesn't seem fair, right? There's so many religions out there. There's a lot of really good people in all the different religions. Like, how do you know that you got it right? And I think it becomes, you kind of have to work backwards, right? You have this profession of who Jesus is. Jesus is the son of God. So then the next question becomes, well, who is God? that it even matters that Jesus is his son. And I think once you realize that God is Lord, right? Yahweh, when he is the, the founder and the creator of everything, that at one point, think about it this way. At one point, God was the only being that existed. Okay? If there's only one being that exists prior to all other religions, all other religious leaders, all other faiths, all this other stuff. Okay? I know, I know. We're getting into some deep stuff. If God is the only one, then God is the only one who can dictate the right way to do things, right? If you lived um, with somebody and and they owned the house, right? And then eventually you move into this house and that person says, hey, when you move in, I have some ground rules. There's some things I want you to follow. You're not going to go and say, oh, that's too exclusive. (laughs) You're not going to say that is completely unfair, right? You have the choice. Once you get those ground rules, you get to say whether or not you want to listen or fall under those things. But I think to say that it's exclusive, it completely undermines the gospel, right? Jesus died so that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. We all have that same invitation to us. Um, But I think we do see Jesus's inclusivity as well. Jesus oftentimes reached out to the people who nobody else wanted to reach out to and loved the people that nobody else wanted to love. So Morgan, I'm going to throw it back to you. This might be a tough question to answer you're kind of on the spot, but how do we as Christians navigate the, this type of, for lack of a better term, right? This inclusive, exclusive dichotomy. How do we live out being bold in your faith, um, but also loving and and I'm going to say it. I know this is a trigger word, but also tolerant and tolerance means different things to different people, but, but explain it kind of the best that you can.
0: Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Just have that answer handy right this minute.
1: And again, this isn't an answer. It's a conversation that we're having. It so, is a
0: conversation. And this is something that I Am actively navigating like outside of this one episode of this podcast. This is what I'm walking through in my life of how do I unapologetically follow Jesus and live into who Jesus wants me to be while also not alienating people around me who may not agree with some of the things that I believe in. Um, So I basically just restated your question, thinking it would buy me time to come (laughs) to an answer. And as I tell you, I'm still figuring that out. I'm walking in it actively. I think my answer is, I don't know. I, I think it's, like you said earlier, Jesus reached out to those people that he wasn't supposed to talk to. And that's the kind of person that, I want to be, I want to connect with those people that in air quotes, I'm not supposed to connect with that people who get into the, this is accepted by the church and this isn't accepted by the church. And we affirm this, but we don't affirm that I like, I don't even want to like get caught up in that because I think I just get so distracted by that, that I forget to just love people to just be there for them, to listen to them. Like this person, because I see them as, well, you're on this opposite side of this issue than I am. And I forget that there's, there's still a person. There's still a child of God that I'm called to love and value. And I think if I can just set aside that one difference, there are millions of other similarities that we can connect on that. I can just love this person.
1: Yeah. You know, I think, I've never thought about it this way, but I think when Jesus gives us the most important commandment, he, imagine the dichotomy that he gives us there. Love God, but also love people. And I feel like in the world that we're in right now, it's so easy to fall into the trap of, I have to do one or the other. Either I love God really well, and in order to do that, I have to kick some people to the curb. Or I love people really well, and in that case, then I have to uh, compromise on my biblical convictions. There's something we're missing. Because there's a reason why Jesus tells us to do both, and there's a way that Jesus was able to do both. I keep hearing people try to challenge uh, the inclusivity of Jesus, saying, like, oh, Jesus wasn't inclusive at all. Um, I get it. I get why they would say that, because... Inclusivity, it does have a different meaning now um, versus what Jesus was doing. But Jesus was inclusive. I will say that I believe Jesus was inclusive, meaning he was willing to invite everyone into something, regardless of if they accepted the invitation or not. He was inviting everyone into something, but he did it for the sake of the gospel, not at the cost of the gospel.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what that looks like in every context in in every corner of the world where there are so many gray areas and so many people dealing with, I I wish you don't, you don't think that if Christians had a textbook on how to handle every single situation, which I mean, someone argued that's the Bible, right? (laughs) Uh, But you don't think that if, if, if Christians knew, so for example, if your church has a, um, a a same sex couple that comes to attend, how to navigate every nuance of that, like don't there, there's some gray area in there. I don't think we're called to live in that gray area, but I think we're it's okay for us to live with that tension. At the end of the day, we have to follow the Holy Spirit's leading and how to handle each and every situation. And I'm not saying for any second, ditch your biblical conviction. That's not what I'm saying at all. Um, but I think when you ask the question, is following Jesus worth it? You have to say, is all of it worth it? Is it even worth the tension that I'm going to feel in trying to love God, and trying to love other people well. There's something there that, uh, you know, I think this is one of those weeks where we don't land on a clear-cut answer because there are so many nuances. Um, And I think there are so many people that are wanting us to take a stance. We'll tell you flat out, we stand with the Bible. We stand with Scripture, right? Whatever's in there is what we agree with. Um, But as far as what does that look like lovingly, I think that gets...
0: Really really gray, really fast.
1: I think it gets confusing. I think it gets confusing.
0: And as the practical application person, trust me, I'm like fidgeting over here, wishing I could come up with a flow chart diagram that says, if this happens, yes, no, and you follow this and you come to an answer because I want to give us all, I want the practical applications so that I know in every scenario, what, what am I supposed to do? But
1: here it is. You ready? This is how you find out the practical. I'm going to give you the practical application of this question. Live life with people.
0: Mm.
1: We ask, is following Jesus worth it? Let's not forget that the beginning of that becomes with following Jesus. And that means going where Jesus would go. And I think too many times we as the church are trying to figure out what would I think we as the church try too many times to try to figure out um, how do I fix or solve this problem without stepping into it? Mm. And that's not what Jesus did. Jesus stepped into every situation. He stepped into those moments. He looked people in the eye. Is following Jesus worth it? You got to ask, are you willing to walk into those places too? Are you willing to walk into those dark gray areas, those murky waters, those muddy pits, those ugly situations? Because following Jesus isn't standing on the sidelines saying, this is what Jesus would have done. (laughs) It's being led by the Holy Spirit to live life with people, to do life with people, and ask God, what do you want me to do with this? How do I best love the person sitting across the table from me?" What is one time in your life when you knew without a shadow of a doubt that God was real? I think one of the biggest ones for me was I remember it was my uh, the summer between my junior and senior year of high school. And I remember uh, I was heartbroken from this relationship that I had gotten out of. Um, and I was reading I'm sorry, not junior and senior year. It was my my freshman and sophomore year. Um, and I was like sitting down and my mom had always told me like, you know, when I was little, like, how do you know? I kept asking her, like, why do you always bring me to church and all that other stuff? And she was like, I bring you to church um, because when you get older and you know that you need Jesus, I want you to know that he's an option, that he's there for you, right? She just wanted me to be familiar enough with it. So, um, yeah, I reached that moment, kind of that that rock bottom moment where I was like, I need an option. And for me, the only thing I knew to go back to was Jesus because my mom had still that in me. So I went and I like, picked up my grandma's Bible in her room and I started reading it. And I'm like, yo, this doesn't make any sense to me. Like this makes zero sense. And I legit sat there and I prayed with my Bible in my hand. And I said, uh, God, if you are real, uh, I'm trying to reach out to you. I'm trying to read the Bible. because This is all I know to do, but it makes zero sense. I need this to make sense. And it literally felt like someone had like translated a language for me like it didn't before that moment i was reading and it didn't make any sense and literally from that moment on the bible was more than just black and white words on a page but it literally like popped off the page and and showed me everything about myself and so it's in moments like that and when you pray prayers like that and god comes through that for me i'm like look if god was real then he has to be real now and so this has to be the way right this has to be the right one um do i have moments where i doubt absolutely so I come back to that moment with God in my grandma's room um, as kind of an anchor to my faith. Yeah. But what about you? What would you say? How do you know that you got it right?
0: Uh, I guess similar story. Heartbreak. Heartbreak leads, uh, leads us to Jesus. Always. <laughs> um, I grew up in a Christian household. And um, when I went to college, I got that taste of freedom and, um, was in a relationship and at that point just started to feel this emptiness. I, I wasn't going to church. I had not picked up my Bible in a while. And I felt this relationship just falling apart. And, um, there was just this emptiness that I felt in my heart. And, um, I went back like, like your mom instilled in you, like Jesus is always going to be there. Um, I, a friend actually reached out to me in like weird timing and and invited me to go to church with her. And I walked in the front door and man, it just feels so cliche sometimes to tell those stories, but it was just like moment after moment, I was like, this is exactly where I'm supposed to be. Um, from being at a very like contemporary style service and like them singing amazing grace. And I'm just like, crying and um i i looked at this friend and i said this this church is so big like i grew up in like the tiniest church and i just i don't know um if this is the right fit for me and that sunday they were like asking people to like join small groups. They were handing out information. They were like, this church is big, but we wanna make it feel small. And I was like, are you like, did you hear me say that the church was big? <laughs> and so you wanted to make it feel small, but they said, get in a small group. And I got in a small group and I I just surrounded like by this community and that hole that I felt in my heart had been filled. And just that, that completeness, that was that moment for me.
1: Yeah. It- it's so crazy hearing you tell your story and even reflecting on my own story. Um, the similarities to this moment that Peter had with Jesus. The similarity is the fact that, that Peter responds to you are the Messiah means that, um, there was someone that Peter had heard the prophets talk about. And now he was, he said, I've experienced this for myself. And I think for both of us, we had those callback moments where we're like, I've heard about the God of the Bible. And now in this moment, I realize that that God is real. And if that God, if the God of the Bible is real, then he is 1000% worth following. And I think we all have to come to that moment. You know, if there's someone who's listening to this and and you've had that moment, I encourage you, hold on to it. Hold on to that time where you knew 100% that that God was real. But if you're listening to this and maybe you're exploring that idea, be on the lookout Don't ignore what we often call coincidences. You know, Mm -hmm. that could be God 100% working in your life, proving himself to be the God of the Bible. And and when you have that moment, just like Peter did, that you're the one I've been waiting for. You're the one that my heart and my soul has been longing for. And rest in that and celebrate in that. Because now you know for yourself who Jesus is. and, And I think that's how we learn that Jesus is worth it.
0: In both of our stories, somebody had told us about Jesus. Your mom had told you about Jesus. My parents had told me about Jesus growing up. And I think the thing that almost scares me or makes me sad is that some people didn't grow up with a mom or a dad teaching them about Jesus. And they're constantly searching. They have that same hole in their heart, and they're constantly searching for something to fill it, and they can't find it because mom, dad, grandma, they didn't tell the this person about Jesus. So the same way you, you reminded people to be on the lookout for that moment for themselves to fill that hole in their heart, watch out for your friends and your family. And as you see them like looking for things to fill that void in their heart, keep in mind, they may not have heard about Jesus growing up. They may not have the same childhood you had. It's good. Um. So, show them jesus tell them who jesus is and i think that's something that as followers of jesus we're called to do that if mom and dad didn't tell you about jesus if you didn't grow up knowing jesus remind them point them back to jesus
1: yeah yeah that's good (laughs)
0: I know, I know we're getting to the good stuff when I feel like I'm going to cry, so if I sounded like I was choking back tears, it's because I was.
1: Episode two, you know, we've been <laughs> <laughs> been at this for a while.
0: We're trying to Wearing slowly, out there. slowly work our way into all that there is, but I mean, sometimes you just can't, you can't control.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, these are tough questions that I think that people are asking. Hopefully, you're asking these questions, or maybe you've never thought about them, but there are things that that you're wondering about and trying to explore. So yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a wrap for today.
0: Episode two.
1: Yeah. I know it was good for me, which is good because right now I'm the only person that listens to this thing, but I'm <laughs> kidding. Thank you so much for everybody who's been listening, who checked us out last week, who has come back for week two. If this is your first time listening to us, uh, please go ahead and subscribe. We will keep new content coming. Just kind of give you a quick map on, on where we're going. Our plan is to release bi weekly, So every other week, for the first little bit and then uh, as we start to catch some traction with this thing we'll we'll look to see what that looks like more in the future but um, you can always keep up with what we're doing we're keeping content going up uh constantly on Instagram on Facebook so make sure you follow us on all social media at true discipleship podcast um, and yeah, we're going to be asking some questions on social media in the next little bit about, uh, ways that we can help build up this community and, uh, and some things that would actually be helpful for y'all. And so your feedback is the world to us. Cause we don't want to do this if it, uh, if it's not helping anybody, it's not practical. So, Ditto. Yeah, Bye. there you go. <laughs> Morgan has spoken. We will see you all on the next episode. Thanks for listening to True Discipleship Podcast.